0: If you're one of the people that love this show, make sure you go over to holyfoolproductions.com and check out our home. You can read articles. You can see my personal journals straight out of the typewriter. You can see the weekly link roundup of all the interesting things I run across. You can see drawings. You can see books recommended for the book club. Or if you're like me and you like things simple, you can just have it sent right to your inbox by signing up for the newsletter, which goes out almost every day. And of course, you can help support this show through either monthly subscriptions or generous one-time donations, all at HoifulProductions.com. When you—I see all these pictures of you guys traveling and going places— Do you save up all your photos from these trips or?
1: (laughs) I don't do that. I don't like save content to share or something. I, you know, will share pictures from when I'm there usually, I guess. And um, I've always really been into getting outside and, and having adventures.
0: Yeah. I've noticed that nature is like a big theme in your art, actually.
1: Yeah, it really is. It really is. I mean, when I was little, my... Mom took pictures of me playing in the dirt, like in my diapers in the dirt. So <laughs> I think it started at a young age, and uh, she would take us to the beach and, yeah, just like hang out in the tide pools and all that. And yeah, it's just been a huge thing for me. I had a few different trips that I did when I was young. Uh, my friend, her family had an RV, and so I was able to go um, up and down the West Coast in the RV and that really got me excited to camp and my family didn't camp, but my friend's family did. So I got really into that and um, always just kind of had a sense of adventure, I guess.
0: And how did like, how did that lead you to art like, or did it, were were they completely independent or did something about that seeing nature make you want to represent it pictorially?
1: I don't think they were connected really. I, when I was a kid, I just was, Draw a lot, and I would make my own books and staple the pages, staple the binding together, and just make books about different things, um, like little stories and stuff like that. And then I would pretend to have an architecture business and design houses. And I was just always very into that. I had a uh, fashion line for years, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) my own little fashion business, and I still have the portfolio of pages and pages of drawings of um yeah just like kind of 80s fashion and i yeah i just was always creative in that way
0: that sounds funny to say i've just recently discovered i have a fascination with architecture oh really yeah i was watching there's a show on netflix i don't know if you've seen it. it's called the world's most extraordinary homes and i was watching it and just fascinated by it just completely wrapped up in it did you maintain any of that architecture love or is that a thing of the past for you. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. And that's funny. It's actually something that my husband's interested in too. Like, So it's interesting that we both kind of have that in us. Uh, I definitely did. I had a book when I was a kid called, I think it was something like Houses and Homes, and it showed how different people live around the world. And it was just like a little cheap kind of like, you know, paperback book. And it showed, you know, how um, all kinds of people live and their little... You know, like the long houses and then um, homes built into the hillside and all kinds of things. And I was super interested in that. So, no, I definitely did. Like, when I remember when I was a kid, when we'd go to the bookstore, my mom would ask, you know, which book do you want? And I would pick out the Architectural Plan magazine. <laughs> I'd get that mm-hmm. kind of a weird choice. So, yeah, I definitely. Um, I I think even more so probably like mm, five to 10 years ago, I had a lot of kind of interiors and architectural work um, or themes in my work, but now it's kind of veered in different directions, but I'm actually wanting to bring it back. I think like kind of like home in a sense of place is really interesting to me.
0: Yeah. I noticed like um, there's a few, I don't know how many times you've done it, but there's a few times where you've drawn kind of like, uh... It's hard for me to describe because it's something that I do with photography. But it's like what's in front of me, you know. Like here's these things on the desk. Uh, you're capturing a mood, or you know, just like here's this uh, CD. I think you have the damned CD in one of them. Oh yeah. And then you know, I think it's a couple pieces of gum and and so forth. And I've always found that really fascinating because, to me, is at least as far as like with with photography, I'll take a picture of something like that because. I'm seeing something where I'm like that's just this is now. And why is this mm-hmm. less interesting than, you know, some grand sweeping uh, landscape or something like that? Is that is that mm-hmm. what you're trying to capture with those or or is it maybe something completely different?
1: Um I I don't know if I can clearly like say why I paint things like that, but I definitely am interested in kind of everyday normal things but I also like the sort of you know kind of absurd or dreamy so it's just like a combination of the two I think it's funny how like life can seem so absurd and strange and bizarre and um, random um, whether it's like you know the weather or you know anything and but there's also, there's just so much normalcy in life, you know, there's just so much like we do that's like kind of the same every day or just, you know.
0: And there seems to be that weird overlap between the absurd and the normal where something is so normal that it becomes absurd.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like, almost like yeah. or something like that, where you're like, I can just, if I lean a little bit to the left. This is weird.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I love those moments in life where you're just like, oh, this is just like, this is too, too strange right now. (laughs) You know, but it is kind of like, yeah, like you said, like leaning left and kind of suddenly it's a different perspective or something.
0: It looks like you're doing a lot of gouache and watercolor. When you're doing those, are you kind of just more intuiting it? Or are you trying to actually, you know, like we were just mentioning, like leaning to see things from a different perspective. Are you trying to capture a perspective or an emotion with those with what you're doing?
1: Do you mean with the medium?
0: Well, yeah, with the mediums, I, I feel like um, because when you're working with a brush, from what I've seen, a lot of your work is uh, no pencil, you know, just like straight to the paper. Instead of you know, like there's a lot of uh, watercolors where they sit there and they sketch it out very perfectly and they do all this, and mm-hmm. it's very much about um, representational art. Like I'm trying to make this look exactly like that. But I feel like your your art seems to be more intuitive in the way that you're doing it. It's like I'm putting this down like the the interiors of rooms that you mentioned. You know, you don't always make sure that the, the back of the wall is exactly all black. You, you know, you let the medium um, kind of dictate how it looks a little bit more. So I guess my question is, are you trying to represent emotional things in that or are you just trying to capture a certain perspective? Uh,
1: I kind of feel like I sort of came to this idea maybe a couple years ago thinking that like kind of wondering why I was using water media more than say acrylic or oil that I'd used before and I kind of I feel like the immediacy of it and yes but kind of intuitiveness of it but also just sort of like kind of seeing it as like this you know, metaphor for life that it's just kind of unpredictable and there's lots of unknown. And we try to control life and we try to plan it all out and try to make it just so. But, you know, you know how nothing never turns out. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) we just like think, you know what I mean? I feel like as humans, we try to kind of over plan whether it's a trip or um, careers or like just you know, wherever you live or anything. And it's just, there's always like disappointments or unpredictability with it. So I think that's an interesting thing with using this medium. And I often, when I'm working, I I'm uh, I guess, yeah, sometimes lately I've been thinking like, oh gosh, I should have drawn that before. or I should have used a pencil, but, but I'll kind of just forget, I guess.
0: I know that for a lot of artists, like this curse of perfectionism, It even stops Mm -hmm. people from creating in general. Has that freed you up? Like, I mean, you're talking about it in a more grand sense, but just even narrowing that down to, like you said, looking down like I should have drawn that first, but hey, I'm already doing it. Have you found that freeing?
1: Yeah, definitely. I feel like I'm drawing with my brush too. So it's not just painting. It's, you know, I'll use small brushes. So I feel like I am kind of drawing. The line is just thicker and kind of, More careless, I guess, and uh, I do think it's more freeing. I've had different reasons for, you know, moving away from oil and acrylic. Like when I used oil, I really liked the richness of it, and I love painting very thin. And even when I was in art school, professors would say, you know, add more paint, make it thicker. And I, I would just kind of add like another thin layer. I would never like really take on the paint. I just maybe a few different times I'd tried that, but. Overall, my tendency was to paint thin. And then I found oil paints really bothered me um, to use. Um, kind of give me a headache and whatever. And and then with acrylic, it, it dries so fast and then it looks kind of flat. I know there's enhancers you can use and um, you can add medium to make it like not dry so quickly. So I might go back and try that. But for now, it just seems like... The water media is what really interests me and feels right to use.
0: Yeah, there's a huge, huge difference between those, those two. You know, like you're saying, like, it's just like a different way of thinking. With acrylic, it's like, okay, lay this down, lay this down, lay this down. It's all layers. And in a way, it's almost like uh, like Photoshop or something, you know, like, put this over the top. If that's ugly, mm-hmm. just paint over it.
1: Yeah, you can correct your mistakes. Yeah,
0: it's, it's more forgiving. But with, with mm-hmm. watercolor and I've, I'll admit now, I have not mastered gouache. <laughs> Wash is very difficult, mm-hmm. but it's it's less forgiving. Going back to what we were saying about it, giving up that idea of perfectionism. I love watercolors for that because, you know, you put it mm-hmm. down and you're, oh, it moved over there and I didn't really want it to. Well, now what? And <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it reminds me of, you know, if you remember when you were, Younger, there was this idea of like draw doodle and then make that into a picture. I feel like it sometimes can be like that. Do you ever experience that when creating something where it just it goes the wrong direction and then you just make it the right direction?
1: Yeah, and sometimes but you know, it's I also know of ways to kind of correct things, correct things with watercolor. Like you can add water back into the paint and kind of blot off a lot of the color. So when I teach say like a watercolor class I show these sort of techniques so people can feel less afraid of the medium and know that they can kind of correct what they didn't want to do so I actually it's funny you say that because I was thinking about this the other day and I was thinking about how I I just want to like paint I don't know more directly and kind of allow it to be more childlike in that sense because you just kind of go for it when you're a kid you know right and there's there's literally no mistakes you know you just go for it you turn something into something else you know pretty amazing to watch them work
0: it's like something that most adults seem to lose is that ability to just roll with it you know like there's a few rare Mm -hmm. artists who were able to capture that like Basquiat I feel like he understood (laughs) understood that really well like okay this is this is nothing but quote unquote mistakes and then it becomes something extraordinary.
1: Yeah, it's just very direct. Like it's like direct and without like any thinking really. It's just, you know.
0: Do you feel like there are times when you you have to steer your direction? You know, like um we wanna all believe, you know, people listening maybe who aren't artists all wanna believe that artists have like this grand overarching uh, impulse that pulls them along to everything, and that we just live in this con- continual state of inspiration. But, you know, like that well runs dry for a lot of us, and we have to kind of steer the boat. Do you feel like you steer the direction? You know, like, like you said, you know, I want to try acrylics again. Do you feel like you're steering yourself a lot?
1: I feel like one reason why I want to go back to acrylic is because I want to work really big again, and it can be harder, more challenging to work bigger in watercolor and um, gouache. Um, gouache generally comes in these really tiny tubes, so does watercolor. And it's just kind of like, you know, it it just, I feel like, I mean, I could try painting bigger, but I feel like in general, it seems to be that like, when you paint over a certain size, it just becomes acrylic or oil.
0: You feel like there's a a need for you to direct your course, you know, like, okay, I need to go over here. I've been doing this for too long. Or I've been dealing with this subject too much. Or are you more free flowing and you really do just kind of find your way there as opposed to having to steer it?
1: I feel like I think about that a lot. I probably think about that kind of thing too much where it's like, oh, I've been painting this same theme or you know this in this medium for too long and I need to do this now. And then I kind of say to myself, no, it's okay. Maybe this is your medium. So it kind of goes back and forth. I think it's really important to kind of go through you know, different to just grow and go through different phases as an artist. So it's, you know, I I think just sticking to the same thing can be kind of it can just kind of leave you in the same place. So you can always go back to that medium but I think you have to kind of push yourself to go in different directions and experiment. Like I make a lot of Weird, random things in the studio that I never post or share with people. It just kind of piles up. It goes into the corner pile, actually. That's kind of what I have in the studio right now—is this pile in the corner, and it just gets thrown in it. (laughs) And when my cats come in here, they lay on it. It just kind of—it's like my little subconscious pile or something like that.
0: Do you think that in some way social media has affected that for you? You know, you said there are certain things you don't post. Before there was, you know, this idea of putting the things that we create up online for people to see, Mm -hmm. I assume you were already creating art. Do you see a difference that that has affected, or do you think this is just kind of, it just kind of fit into already the way you were thinking about things?
1: Well, for one, I feel like when I would paint before, it would take me months to work on a painting. And I worked really big, kind of just before things were going online I feel like I worked really big and worked in oil paint and i mean going use other mediums too but yeah I would take a lot more time and I think I see online a lot of people and maybe myself included you know where you kind of it's like quantity or something it feels like there's a lot making but I kind of feel like I'd like to see people take more time with one piece or like three pieces and just work on them for like whatever it takes weeks or months and see what happens do you know what i mean do you see that
0: yeah it seems like there's like a rush to get out the next product like oh i put up a post yesterday i better draw this quick today and then it just it leads to kind of what we were talking about before where it's like oh you've you've kind of drawn the same thing like 10 times in a
1: row Yeah, definitely, and I feel like it's you know there's things like the hundred day project which I did a few years ago, and I think that that's like really good for people, and it can help you kind of develop your work. But it also kind of leads to this sort of like, here's a post today, here's a post tomorrow, here's one the next day. Oh no, I've gotten behind. I better like rush and get this done. And I think rushing the process is not necessarily good for it. Like you know, on the one hand, it might push you and kind of make you work every day, which is good, but You know, it also kind of makes you just like force something out. And also just, yeah, thinking that there has to be eyes on this thing, you know. So I think I used to try to be... I don't know. I used to try to post every day or, you know, post art more often. And now I just kind of do it whenever I want. I just don't care about doing what everyone else is doing, I guess. So and it's probably not good. You know, I probably should be more out there or something but at this point it feels right
0: so i think at a certain point you know we're already oversaturated with everything at a certain point you can post too often you know like for me this is my personal opinion you know like even like i think about Mm -hmm. um movies and when i see it i find a director and they've you know they've only made like four movies um it kind of excites me because i'm like oh i can watch everything that they've made Instead of like, oh, they, they've made 10 movies in the last year. Like, I can't even keep up with this guy. There's a, there's yeah,
1: this, that's true.
0: There's a weird sense of that sometimes, I feel like, especially with Instagram, because it's so easily digestible. I know I kind of appreciate when people are doing pictures of the same piece, you know, like, here's a detail of this part.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I know, like, right now I'm working on and commissions. That's kind of been like the thing I've been doing this summer. And so I used to just not share uh, working on them. And then I still don't, but I've been thinking about that lately how I should show the progress of these because they're taking a while, you know, and I'm spending time on them. And so that, you know, but I think because for the, the person I'm making them for, I kind of like to surprise them with what it'll look like instead of them seeing every second of it in a way. Um, maybe I should ask them if they want to see <laughs> see <laughs> more of the progress of it. I don't know. Maybe that would be cool for them. But it's just kind of when I used to do portrait commissions, that's how I would do it. It was just kind of like they would just kind of get what they get at the end. I mean, I, of course, would say, okay, how's this look? And then they would be excited and like it. So I felt like, well, this this works, you know. And it kind of allows you artistic freedom to kind of not be like kind of micromanaged about it or like, oh, that part or this, you know, or maybe I just think I would be micromanaged about it.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Was that scary? Like doing portraits of people, you know, because people are so critical of their own faces. It feels like that would be a scary thing. Was it scary for you?
1: Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I never painted people like as a kid. I drew people. I always liked drawing them and they were kind of these funny, like, I do not know how to explain them, but they weren't like necessarily really well done. And then I just, I really didn't care about drawing people. I mean, I took some figure painting classes and stuff, but I just wasn't drawn to, to painting people, um, just kind of like interiors and, and things and objects and stuff like that. But once it was just this weird thing I did for a show. And then I put them on Etsy and then people started um ordering them and then they got featured and featured on blogs and then so I had this like career for a while where I was painting portraits of people and I thought this is so strange, you know, like this is what I did before. But it it did give me a lot of anxiety. I got so anxious about how they looked and it being just right and questioning, like even questioning my skill and wondering what I was, you know. I don't know. Just making sure I was capturing them just right, and uh, but you know the way I painted them was kind of more, a little more stylized and like realistic, and so I felt like I would always kind of ask for multiple pictures, and I would just kind of look at all those pictures, and then just kind of like, you know, if you have multiple pictures, you can kind of notice like, oh, their jawline is a little more like this, or their, you know, nose is a little more like that, and. And then, yeah, it's interesting because when you're painting people, you kind of feel like, okay, I want to paint them accurately, but I also want to flatter them, you know? And it's very different from just painting somebody like with a lot of character, you know, where you might exaggerate and make features like bigger or smaller. So yeah, it was was definitely... (laughs) Yeah, I would just like overthink it and be like stewing in my studio working on them, I guess. But then I, you know, after all those weeks of working on them, I'd always kind of come out of it like, okay, it's good. It's done. (laughs) So, and I would do this weird thing at the end, like, like they would be just about ready to send off. And then I, you know, even my husband would say, it's done. It looks great. And I was just like, no, something's just not right. And then I would sit with them for like another few days or week. And those little changes I made, I feel like would make it just right, you know? So it's an interesting process. Like I kind of like wouldn't send them off until I felt like they were just as I wanted them to be.
0: Is that how you still feel about stuff that you're doing that are maybe non-portraits? Do you still have that? Okay, I know this is it needs just a little bit more. I don't know what it is yet. Do You still feel that like with the rooms or definitely. the plants?
1: Yeah, definitely. Sometimes you feel like oh, you can always work more on any painting or any piece of art. You can always just like be tweaking it and adding to it. I'm sure like filmmakers are like, oh, I could have extended this part or added more. But you just kind of have to get to a point where it's just done, I think.
0: It's like an intuitive thing. Like, okay, that's a gut almost.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: When you're doing stuff for a commission, do you feel more of that pressure to, I don't want to use the word perfect because we already talked about like not seeking perfectionism, but getting to that gut? Do you feel you have to get deeper into that gut satisfaction when you're doing a commission than you would for something you're doing for yourself?
1: I would say definitely. Yeah. I don't want to be that way, but then it brings out that perfectionist because you're making it for somebody else and you're trying to make someone else happy. Whereas when you're making your own work, you're just trying to make yourself happy. Mm -hmm. So it's just it's very different. But this current one I'm working on, I'm really trying to let that go and just kind of you know, let's say I'm, I'm painting this tree and I just started doing this sort of different technique a couple of days ago. And then it kind of made me realize, okay, this is what this painting needs. And so now I'm going to apply that all over the painting. And it's kind of like allowing myself and not so much thinking of what they'll think into the painting, which is definitely a good thing. I think with commissions, it's hard because you're trying to represent something, you know, so you have pictures somebody gives you and then you're just trying to not just straight copy the photos, but, you know, add to it. And it just kind of, it just complicates things, I think.
0: Yeah, that's a weird line, especially when dealing with, in in my opinion, dealing with water mediums, because, you know, like, yeah, you could try to get representational, but there's still, the mediums give you the kind of, at least at my skill level, (laughs) give you a certain level of limitation on trying to, to replicate a photo perfectly so i feel like mm-hmm. there's there's that weird line that you have to find do you feel like your style be, you know your line between conceptual and uh representational do you think that's something that you fell into or do you think that that's something that you kind of steered your way into more going back to the steering thing i want to only make things this realistic-looking.
1: It's interesting because I went to art school. And in school, I, you know, your professors can kind of guide you and kind of steer you a certain way. And I definitely had some professors who were interested in realistic work. And so I took multiple classes, say, with one where we took images from magazines and kind of made a collage and we painted that collage and it was really interesting to do but i found myself you know painting it kind of like kind of photorealistic almost in oil and just kind of i don't know they they call it kind of like being a slave to the photograph <laughs> you know when you just kind of you're just like copying the photograph and um i feel like i did that and then i kind of went from there and continued to paint realistically but tried to push the color more like adding in weird pinks and oranges and things like that and kind of kept going. But I mean, there were some years where I felt like I really wanted to just paint from my imagination and not paint realistically. And I just, or even just kind of where it was representational. And I just, anytime I'd make something kind of abstract, I felt like it was kind of, kind of crappy. And I just, wasn't into it and so i don't know i just yeah i feel like there are times where i just like you know i'll see like another artist's work and i i'll feel like wow i bet that would be so fun to paint like that or something you know i think in the last few years and even when i did that hundred day project i i had some stuff in that was like i Drew weird grids and I colored each square of each grid and then you know a next piece would be like embroidery on paper and then uh, but for the most part it was wash and watercolor on paper and pretty representational and I was just kind of like okay I think that this is just my thing you know (laughs) so it's like you kind of have this natural draw to to make art a certain way I think
0: now you mentioned that. When you see other people's art and you think, oh, that looks like that would be kind of fun to, you know, paint or to draw like that. Do you find comparisons with other artists healthy or unhealthy in your experience? You know, like, do you compare yourself to others too much or do you always just think like you did there? That that would probably be fun.
1: Um I mean, I think sometimes I think, oh, that would be fun. Like if I see something like super bright and colorful and crazy and just abstract or just, you know, kind of wild, I think, oh, wow, that looks really like a really fun way to paint. Like there's an artist named Kinda Khalidi. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but she's a Bay Area artist who kind of paints playful and fun colors on white backgrounds. And it's just, it's just really like fun, you know and kind of childlike in a way, but obviously more advanced than what a kid would do or more thoughtful maybe, I don't know. But then I, I think overall, it's, yeah, it's not very healthy to compare yourself. Yeah, I think that's... Comparing yourself is something that I do or comparing myself to other artists. And I just, yeah, I think it's, it's not very healthy and I just try not to do it. But I think it just kinda can happen. I don't know. And it's in a way it's like I love so many different mediums. You know, I was doing ceramics earlier this year and I want to get back to that. I love sewing and painting and, you know, I just wanna do all these different mediums. And so when I see a certain medium that I haven't used in a while that an artist is using and they're doing it really well, I just think, Oh, I have to do that. I bet I could do something really cool with embroidery or ceramics again and um but i think it can be kind of that like you see it and it's like eye candy and you're just like drawn to it and it's like like add or something you're just like oh oh that like bright lights over there and you're just like oh i want to do that i want to try that
0: do you always follow those flights or do you kind of like no 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 i don't have time to go learn that right now
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's often like, okay, focused. <laughs> you can't, you can't do that. You don't have time right now. I mean, I get crazy. Like, even we'll tell my husband, I want to take this ceramics class. I want to take this other class, but then I'm also going to work on these and I think I can balance it all. And he just looks at me like, <sighs> you know, that's, you don't have the time for that. But he's very like, he's, I'm more kind of like dreamy and I think really big and he's more like, the one who brings me back down to earth. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, you're too realistic. Or like, no, in a dream world, let's think up this scenario. And he always just gives me the realistic answer or often gives me the realistic answer. And it's like, I think like, it's just, I don't know, two very different ways of thinking.
0: Do you find that balance important?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think definitely.
0: Uh, You guys, you've been married for two like you said, almost two years or just two years. Mm-hmm. How long have you guys known each other?
1: For about nine years, almost. I mean, getting to nine years, I guess, next early next year. But it's kind of funny. I worked at Streetlight Records. You know that record store mm-hmm. yep. in San Jose. So I worked at Streetlight for a really long time. I worked there from when I was like, I think nineteen to twenty six. I just. Um, worked there full-time and then I worked there part-time while I was going to art school. And I guess he came in and he's like 100% sure it was me who helped him when he bought... It was like... He said it was either a Misfits poster or another poster. I can't remember if it was like Misfits or Taxi Driver. And he said that I sold the poster to him. And so I thought that was pretty funny because that would have been... Like the time frame he was talking about, it was probably like I think four or five years before we met. Wow. So that was kind of, yeah, it was kind of funny when he told me that. <laughs> and now you have that
0: poster framed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that poster is. <laughs>
0: so before you met him and you had that balance, do you notice the difference? I mean, like not even related to anything other than just you as a person. Like, do you notice? that difference of having that person with that different perspective that's beside you?
1: Well, you know, it's kind of funny because when I first met him, he did photography. So he shot film, shot on film, and he also drew. And we would sometimes do art shows together, you know, so it kind of, I'd kind of push him and, you know, get him to do shows with me. And his work is great, but he just doesn't make that much of it. I mean, yeah, his work is super great. He's one of those people who like with drawing, he just super intuitive and just kind of draws from his head most of the time. And it's oh, that's amazing. It's really good. There's like a lot of character and style in his work. So it's kind of funny. He, he did that more then. And I thought at the time, I was like, oh, awesome. Like another artist. is great. And then... He sort of, kind of fell away from drawing and doing photography so much. Um, one of his best friends was a photographer too, but then got into woodworking, and so he has this woodworking business now. And so my husband, uh, he got into jujitsu, and I feel like that's kind of where he spends his time outside of work now is is doing jujitsu. And he, yeah, so he's just making less art. And there are times where I felt like I want, I want. Like, I haven't had it. I guess I just felt like I wanted him to make art because I love his work, but then I love kind of like being artists together. Like, we could go somewhere and sketch together and do that kind of thing. But I also kind of feel like it's a really good balance to have someone who's not like fully dedicated to art. It somehow works really well. But for a time, I thought, oh no, we both need to be artists. Like, there was a time where I wanted him to. Like consider like, oh, you should be doing this full time and all that, you know, or like, or make that your goal at least, you know, like, or think about, I don't know. but he's like one of the most content and satisfied people. Like he's, and I'm like the person who's like always dissatisfied and wanting more and better and, you know, um, not like I'm an unhappy person, but I've always been like that since I was like young. I just like wanted so much out of life all the time, so that's why I'm like always like trying to travel and go do something like I've been stressed out this summer that I haven't gone enough places and done enough, and it's like I feel like every weekend should be some you know grand adventure, and it's like you can't do that every single I mean you can, but you know I have to work some weekends too, so <laughs>
0: Do you feel like in some way, the hunger for adventure, you know, going places comes from, you know, like just the simple fact that you're, like you said earlier at the beginning, your family wasn't a camping family. Do you feel like in some way you're catching up for that?
1: Well, say like my family wasn't a camping family, but like my dad is from Costa Rica. So all our, all that side of the family lives in Costa Rica. And on my mom's side, She was born in Australia. Her older sister was born in Hawaii. Her younger sister was born in Spain and her parents, her mother was from Australia, but my grandparents, they lived in Algeria for a while. I mean, I think they love, you know, it's kind of in our blood to not be in the same place, I think. And so I've been like in the Bay Area and the South Bay for like most of my life. And I feel like it's sort of like because I have been here and stayed here, I feel like I need to get away from it all the time. It's very crowded here. It's very crowded and, you know,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> it's crowded and there's a lot here, but it's like it's it's people drive fast and crazy and there's too many people. And so going other places where people kind of think and live differently and where there's less people is really nice. So I think part of it is escape too it's just getting away from people like i went on a backpacking trip earlier this summer with a couple of friends and we went to the trinity alps and it's just so beautiful there and there's just not very many people and waterfalls and giant trees and big craggy mountains and strange wildflowers i'd never seen before mountain lilies you know just very different from You know, the same old thing in the Bay Area.
0: And does your husband share the wanderlust with you?
1: He likes going places and doing stuff. Like he has like a bike crew. They go biking on Sundays together and they kind of ride all over the place. And he likes traveling and doing stuff like that. But I have to initiate it generally. Pretty much, I think... Just about all of our trips, it's like me saying, "I want to go here." What do you think? Or, "I want to take a trip. Where do you want to go this time?" Like, I feel like I picked going to Spain. I had an art residency out there, and then maybe there was another trip, Costa Rica, that I picked because I wanted him to see it. And then the next one, I said, "You, you pick where we go," because you know I feel like <laughs> I keep picking the places, and I want to make sure you're going where you want to go to. So, but I always use, I, yeah, I usually have to initiate it. And and kind of, you know, kind of elbow him. And then even right now, we're going to do a road trip to the Pacific Northwest in a couple weeks. And I've pretty much planned it and decided where we're going to go. I mean, he's had some input, but he's kind of good with that. He, you know, it's kind of a joke now with us. Like, you plan it all. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) there's that balance again, right?
1: Yeah. It's a strange thing where I find. Women I know with male partners will say how they always have to do everything and plan everything. And they'll even say to me, you're lucky, you know, Ryan will. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't, From my experience, it seems like men in these relationships don't want to plan and the women have to initiate it all.
0: Almost like uh, instead of roles being imposed on people, it's like, no, no, this is the one I want. And you can have that one. And that works fine for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I don't know what it is. My sister travels a lot too, and she always, I think she pretty much always plans the trips. <laughs> do you travel much or do you?
0: I wish. I don't travel enough because I'm not in a relationship. I feel like travel is a different kind of decision um, in the sense that I have to have someone to meet up with or something. You know, I don't want to travel to Spain by myself. I'm just not that person. Hmm. Even though once I'm there I might want to wander alone.
1: (laughs) You know, it's actually a really amazing thing to do because you because you're alone, you're you're forced to talk to other people and interact. Like when I went to that art residency in Spain, I was out there for a month and by myself and I, you know, was in a relationship but just went and did that. And it was amazing to have like I don't know. These people on the art residency, of course, there was, there were a couple of people, other artists that I knew, but then also people around, like at the restaurant that I would go to nearby. Like Thanksgiving, they made a feast for myself and the other American artists because they were like, oh, we know this is like a thing. I mean, they didn't make Thanksgiving food; <laughs> they just made a bunch of food and had us and like close the restaurant after hours. And I mean, and we made these strange, like immediate friends. It was so friendly and amazing there. And I think there's just something really amazing about going by yourself. So I just wanted to say, throw that out there, just recommend it. Do you think
0: you're an introvert or an extrovert?
1: You know, I think I always thought I was an extrovert earlier in life. And I've realized that I'm more of an introvert and people think of me as an extrovert, but I'm, I'm an introvert. I, I love people and I love my friends, but I also like, I need alone time and I need I also get some anxiety, you know, talking to people or just in certain situations. And I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a weird mix. I'm into astrology. I don't know if you are, but I'm an Aquarian, Aquarius. So that's what Aquarians are. They're like friendly and friends with everyone, but then they are introverts and they need their alone time.
0: I almost have to wonder if all artists in some way, are introverts you know because it, not because it's a a necessity or something but maybe we develop this desire to create things because we like spending time alone
1: oh for sure i mean yeah i mean if you're writing or if you're painting or you know you need that alone time to work get that work done and you have to be pretty dedicated to it and force yourself to stay home and work instead of going out or can't do like every social obligation every weekend or evenings because you're working on this thing you're trying to accomplish. So yeah, I think so. And I think when you have alone time, you you know, you're okay with being alone with your thoughts. And not everyone's okay with that. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people like to be surrounded by people a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, there's the, the extroverts who need it for the energy, but then there are people who are Avoiding contemplation,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I think is always a place to be. You need that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But once again, that could be just our introvert's brains. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I can't imagine how you wouldn't need this. And somebody's like, I just don't.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I, I overthink a lot, too. It's probably because I spend time alone. so. <laughs> <laughs> What
0: book do you think I should read next to help me on my quest to become a better person?
1: I feel like that's a big question, to be a better human being. But one book that comes to mind is Maiden Voyage. And it's the book about a young woman who, she lives in New York, and her dad feels like she's kind of got no direction in her life. Um, I think in it she's like she's going out to shows and she's a teenager and I forget if she's maybe ditching class and doing stuff like that, which is something I did in high school. <laughs> so my mom gave me this book and um so her dad offers to pay for her to go to college or pay for her to sail around the world. And she opts to sail around the world. And I don't know, that book was really made a really big impact on me. And I feel like, I think it kind of goes back to the being alone with your thoughts or traveling alone. It sort of tackles somebody dealing with sailing around the world alone and the storms and the unknown. And I don't know, all the adventures that happen along the way. So yeah.
0: There's a documentary of the same name about a girl, but she's European. And it's, it's she sails herself around the world. I wonder what the connection between the two is. I'll have to look that up.
1: Oh, interesting. There, I saw a documentary about someone who sailed around the world, but I don't... A, a woman who sailed around the world, she was 16. But it, I don't think that was the title.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm curious now. I almost want to look it up right now, but I have a rule not to search for anything on the internet. Oh, or...
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm curious too.
0: Would you like to introduce yourself to everyone and to plug, you know, whatever websites or social media you'd like to plug?
1: My name is Francis Marin Lopez, and I'm an artist in San Jose, California. I work in a variety of mediums, mostly in water media. I'm currently working on a variety of projects that are in the developing stages, including a couple of book ideas and an upcoming 2019 calendar and a new body of work. You can find me on Instagram at Francis Marin and that's Francis with an E.
0: You know, one of the best ways to support a podcast is to go over to the podcast app that you're using, especially if it is Apple Podcasts and take five minutes to sit down and rate and review the show. Just give it a star rating, give it a paragraph, letting people know what value you get out of the show. Because that's how we communicate to the world what this show is about if they haven't listened to it before. And it's also how we communicate to guests or possible guests what the show that is inviting them on is about and what people think of it. So please take the time to rate and review us.